0: I would go back to the statements that we've made before. She's that the sow, whether we're talking about the guilt, developing guilt or the pregnant and lactating sow, she is not a finishing pig. She's not a growing pig. And the the way that we create value on our management and our feeding in the finisher side, the model just I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it has worked very well for the sow.
1: It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swineet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Odiseo, provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Crystal Levesque from South Dakota State University. Dr. Levesque is an associate professor there. Dr. Levesque, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, thank you. Good. Glad to have you on today. Thank you, It's I, honestly, it's really quite an honor. You've had some pretty awesome guests here, so I feel very humbled to be in that crew, yeah. Well, I'm excited to visit with you today. I think you have some really interesting points that I think would be great for our audience today. So um, I think we'll go ahead and get started with our conversation. But before we really dig into the meat of the matter today, maybe share with our audience a little bit about your background to help them understand um, your perspective on the swine industry. Sure. Yeah. Um, So
0: uh, Laura and I actually had a conversation with my grad students and she was sharing her path, maybe not so straight to where you are now. And um, mine was really very crooked. So I, I grew up in a broiler operation uh, many, many years ago. We, and at the time we were really big, we had 50,000 broilers. Like we were big producers. Um, that of course, isn't the case now, but I Headed off to university right out of high school because that's what everybody did, and you know, green farm kid off the farm and into university. And I, honestly, I'm burying my soul, but I, I, I failed miserably, like miserably. But it wasn't the right time for me, so I left university, got married, had three kids, um, got my kids into school, and then thought, okay. You know what? Now, now I'm ready. Now I'm, I'm ready to go. So um, it, that was even crooked. My, my first idea was I should be a vet tech. Cause you grow up on a farm. I, I trained horses logical, right? Monday to Friday, that'd be a great job. Um, but I didn't qualify. I, I had straight A's in school, but I had never volunteered at a vet clinic. So unless you had done that, that program wouldn't allow you to enter so I thought that was just stupid. So I thought I'd go to university and be a physiotherapist because that's Monday to Friday, and I'd miss that deadline. So fine, I'll go to Ag, get in, and then transfer. And I, some some of the viewers may remember Phil Thacker. He was a he was a professor at the University of Saskatchewan. Um, he was an awesome guy. He was a fabulous teacher, and um i visited with him so he was the advisor and they didn't advise students the way they did now you just had one interview at the front and they looked at your transcripts what you came in with and said here's what we recommend and then you went off and did what you did so phil and i are sitting across the desk and he looks at my transcript and he can see f f f withdraw the only two classes i passed were biology, and I can't remember what the other one was, and he's, he gets a look of horror on his face, and he said, well, you passed biology, so I guess you can take this class, which was his monogastric nutrition class, and uh, before that class was over, I had completely done 180. I knew what I would do eventually, and that was be in academia in the area of nutrition in the area of swine nutrition. And so it was still another, Oh, almost 15 years. By the time I got there, we, I did my master's and then we did, I took a hiatus and we bought a restaurant and I did that for about six years. And by that time, my kids were almost out of school. So then I could go back and yeah, so it it was a long crooked road um, to get here. But I think you commented to my students don't be afraid of taking an opportunity. And yeah, really, I love what I do. I've, I've done a lot of different things, you know, in there. So maybe that's part of why I look at things a little differently, but I love what I do now. It's great.
1: This episode sponsored highlight is about AB Vista, an animal nutrition technology company offering innovative products and new applications for the swine industry. The combination of AB Vista enzymes, technical services, and nutrition expertise provides the industry with new opportunities to further improve production efficiencies. Fiber is receiving renewed interest due to its influence on the microbiome, and AB Vista has brought together research experts to discuss the industry's knowledge of fiber functionality and to introduce a symbiotic, targeted to improve fiber digestion. To request access contact nam at abvista.com that's n a m at abvista.com
2: that's wonderful and, and so today you, as we were talking you're you don't have an extension appointment so you're teaching and research focused is that correct
0: yeah i essentially have a 90% research i teach one graduate level uh, monogastric nutrition so i i'm essentially research
2: yeah. So as you kind of taking your road to where you're at today, as we always talk, what's what's the passion in swine nutrition for you? Is it a certain phase of production? Is it a certain, you know, health status? Or, you know, where's that path led you in terms of your your passion? Sure. Yeah.
0: I I really like the sows. I like those moms and babies and and the little guys even after you wean them. Um, you know, once they get to finishers, I'm not I'm not a very tall or a very big person. So, you know, finishers just kind of push me around. <laughs> but yeah, I I just really like the South. I think they're they're different. They're they're dynamic, and I think we need to look at them differently than
2: you know, than we traditionally do other phases. So yeah, I I just love the South. I think that's interesting because in one of the conversations that That continues to come up the last four to five years is this point of sow survivability Mm -hmm. longevity livability whatever term you'd like to use today but from your perspective looking at the industry and now this big discussion point around how do we change our sow where do you think we should start where do you think the challenges lie wow well i'm a nutritionist so nutrition fixes everything
0: um but I guess, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where, I don't think there's a single spot for us to start. I, what, I, what I've seen that I think is really good is, one, people are recognizing, okay, look, we need to spend some time focusing on the sow, right? So good isn't good enough anymore. It's, it's not. And so, you know, there's, there's a number that ha- are approaching it from that big, problem, approaching it from a number of different perspectives, and I think that's really cool. Um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on different management tools that we can do to help them. Um, I mean, we're, there's there's nutrition as well, but others are looking at, okay, can, how do we apply, if we assume, okay, the nutrition isn't, is fine, how can we apply some other things like um, temperature monitors or, you know, Picking them out before they're they're really sick, or um, some of these markers that we can use to identify pre-farrow. Hey, you know, there's there's lots of people looking at different things in the farrowing room. Who's going to be the problem child? So who do I need to spend more time on? Right. I mean, we've the the times that we've been in a in the commercial sow farms and been able to just watch what they do. There's so much, you know, just in the farrowing rooms, there's so much for those guys to do on any given day or hour that, you know, any of those tools that can help them do. Yeah. Okay. I've got to focus my time here because she has this marker or she has that thing. So I, I don't think there's, I don't think we can approach it from a single way. And I guess that's what I like is, you know, there's lots of ways to do, um, to To approach that challenge from a lot of different ways, and I think we'll probably make a lot more um, advances
2: than if we just say, "Okay, here's the big emphasis; we all got to work over here." Yeah, I think that's a really good good take on it, and I think that's that's really important for sure. Um, I'm going to take you step step backwards, though. One of the things I've heard, um, gosh, I've heard probably for the last ten years, is we shouldn't treat the developing guilt like a finishing hog. And yet, when we evaluate that, that question is, is, well, what does that mean, right? Is it just giving her more lysine? Is it giving her higher calcium, phosphorus? Um, do you have any opinions on that? Because I think we kind of view that as kind of the starting point, at least from a nutrition perspective today. We need to start somewhere back in her development before she ever pharrows. So. Where do you start there?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think I would agree. She, she's not a market hog, right? And so um, doing those requirement studies to really define that requirement, those are going to be really tough to do. The time's really short and we know how much time it takes to do those kinds of studies, right? Um, so I think, you know, pulling from all that we've learned from the finishers, for example, And, you know, tailoring, let's just start with lysine or like, you know, if we're, let's start somewhere where we can chew it and bite, you know, bite it off and and maybe make some improvements and look at some advances. And, you know, then we can go, um, it's, it's for sure the guilt, guilt development is a, you know, is a challenge. It's even more a challenge even than maybe in, in gestation, right? But yeah, I i mean the calcium phosphorus makes sense um you know if you can put it back there but i guess i'm i'm still a believer in the amino acids and it, you know calcium phosphorus is obviously important for bone development but there's a lot of muscle tissue that hangs onto those bones and if if they're not strong doesn't matter how strong those bones are right so
2: i uh, i fall back to the amino acids well, and I think the guilt development is always an interesting challenge anyway, when we think about how much we do with that guilt in terms of exposing her to vaccines, in particular during that that time point to acclimate her, whether it's, well, I guess, actually, whether it's vaccines or, or natural plant exposures, but something, right, to acclimate her into her yeah. future environment and hopefully build some protection for her piglets. And And so I do kind of challenge that too, that thought process around well, she's not always eating 100 percent because every time we vaccinate, you know, yep. we drop her back for a day or two. And so how do we kind of help negotiate that interaction between health and and growth? And I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that or, or how you perceive, you know, feeding that guilt during during those critical points.
0: Yeah, we um, there there was that. Session I think it was in Midwest last year. really great session that that um, and so that, that I think the idea of trying to not so much slow not not just slow them down because that's relatively easy to do, but slow them down in some kind of a tailored way. Um, but at at the same time if if we're if we're designing our barns that doesn't allow us to do that, then it becomes somewhat redundant right? And I i mean, redesigning a barn that's already up is really, you know, a challenge or problematic. But uh, it, I guess I would equate it similar to a um, number of years ago when I started hearing people say, well, we're building a new barn, like a finisher barn, for example. But this time, we're deliberately planning a six-pen space, right? And so that there's that that conceptual change. Well, somehow I have to work this in because it's a problem that I deal with all the time, but I don't create myself an environment where I could address it if I had the tools to do it. So um, I think that will be another thing that we'll have to change is a, a rethinking how we build those spaces to allow us to do things that, you know, we determine
2: will make a difference. Absolutely. I think that's a good point. The other thing that, that kind of popped into my head is you were talking a little bit there too, is you, you keep talking about the feeding and the nutrition. And we're really walking into quite an unusual time frame, if you will, of of the way corn is pricing out and what we expect to happen with soybean meal. And and obviously there's always that concern, we need to finish in terms of feed costs, but sow farms are notorious for for having those same discussions when we think about a sow eating a ton of feed a year what do you think about in terms of those feeding programs going forward any any concerns or any thoughts on how we can navigate some of these these upcoming challenges
0: yeah i I mean everything drives on the dollar I mean, i i conceptually i get it and i'm i'm not having to do the math you know, for a large production system. But I guess my, my challenge would be if, if that, you know, that what's, what's the cost of getting it wrong? And we, we know that pretty well on the grow finish side. So, you know, those numbers are easy to do. And I guess I would challenge, I'm not, I'm not sure we're really, we're really answering that question well. So simply from a feed cost, a feed cost per pound, a gain, I, we're not growing. They're not grow finish pigs. I mean, they're not right. So yeah, I we obviously need to look at economics, but I I think that economic question has to be approached from a, a maybe a different a different angle with different metrics on
2: the other end. I think it's definitely hard too from a sow perspective, because anytime I look at some retrospective data and we make a diet change in a a farm or production system, okay, well, I made this change today, but do I look at the sows I bred today? Or do I look at the sows that I bred two months ago? Or do I start with the sows that are in farrowing now? So where do I even place that metric, right? To understand if the program change I made was not only an economical one, but an impactful one. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question, right? She's not a finisher fake, right?
0: That's the problem. Yeah, she's not.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of long term downstream stream things that I think we need to challenge ourselves. And, you know, we kind of go back to that pick a metric, right? So if we're worried about total born, then let's look at it from whenever we made that diet change through where we think total born could have been impacted. But I think that's really important as you're talking about good programs, best feeding programs, cost of the dollar is to really ask yourself, what's the metric you're after so that you're not putting the value in the wrong spot, right? Yeah. That it's not just the dollar sign at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And that changes the answer or that changes ultimately the decision, whether
2: it was a good change or not so good change. Right. 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 right absolutely i think that's a great point well the other thing that that we were talking a little bit about there at the beginning is that you have 90 percent research so you are are also doing some training with graduate students and i know that's a passion of yours as well as is the education component outside of of, of the sow of course and how we feed her yeah. so um maybe share a little bit about your philosophy and in, in training and educating students
0: Sure. Yeah. So, um, grad students are, are my favorite. Um, I get to tighten the screw. You can tighten the screw a little more on the grad students. You can apply a little bit more pressure. Um, but that's, and and when you do that, they don't like it, you know, very, none of us really like it when the pressure gets applied, but when they, when they come out on the other side of that pressure and something's there. So, you know, whether it's a paper or, a presentation or whatever it is on the other side of that, um, the the look in their eyes and and their faces that I did this, you know, I made it through, and and that's really what keeps me in this office, you know, every single day, and them them making, moving that step forward, um, I I love trying new things and. You know oh if there's some somebody's doing something new oh yeah please can i you know can i um but there's there's growth when that happens they like they change even a you know you an M, a master student you don't have for very long you really only have you know two years but watching them change as you know from what they came in as and, and what they go out as and becoming Becoming it's a little bit my kids, I guess. Be, you know, becoming these new people that are going to go out and and add and contribute and change and and challenge me and tell me I'm wrong. I yeah, this I, I think those are important pieces of grad school. Right. I mean, there's there's limits to that. Certainly with master students, there's a lot more limits. It needs to be a little bit more defined. And, you know, this is your trial, and these are the questions you're gonna answer. And you know, follow this protocol. But there has to be that room in there for them to get it wrong. We don't want it costing, you know, certainly shouldn't cost an animal that in no way, shape, or form should that happen. And you hope it doesn't cost you very much money either. But giving them the chance to get it wrong and learn from getting it wrong, it's a humbling experience. I, I think it's an important part of being a grad student. Is Learning to get it wrong, because quite frankly, we're you're gonna get it wrong once you get out multiple times. So you might as well learn to do it in a time when it's safe. You know, you don't lose your job over it, or hopefully not, and right, or lose funding or something like that. But yeah. So I guess that that would be one of my big things. Give them give them enough freedom to challenge themselves. Sometimes enough rope to, you know, maybe pull a little bit, but um yeah i i I like to see them come knocking on my door and hey you remember that you know how we got that um the used to be national pork board now it's the um u.s center of pork excellence they've got the little undergraduate programs remember how we did that last year if are we going to be able to do that again what if we did this could could we could we maybe do that kind of thing sure let's let's give it a try right so those are the kinds of things that i i
2: think are important
0: In a grad
2: program. I think one of the other things I've heard a lot lately too goes beyond. What are we doing outside of the classroom with them, right? We know our students have research projects, and we know they're going to be knowledgeable in whatever research topic we give them or that they give themselves to work on, and we know they're taking coursework, but what else are we missing for those students as they enter the workforce? I mean, you and I share a unique perspective of being out there and and coming back to academia, but what do you see from your side? I guess I would, I would put it into
0: two pails. One would be that, that experience um, in, in industry and in doesn't necessarily have to be in a commercial pig barn, but in industry, you know, that, that experience. And the other piece I think is communication. So those are, those are kind of two things that we've just in the last year and a half really tried to emphasize and make sure that every student has very clear opportunities and exposure to those kinds of things. so from the from the communication side of things, um, we've just recently started a program where we, um, we and it's a partnership right now with a couple other universities, but we bring in on Zoom calls like this, experts in the field that are communicating about livestock egg, but in other forums. So we do a great job of communicating our students to present their research at scientific conferences. But even for those that are going into academia, that skill is used this much. They got to communicate to grant writer, you know, to department heads and to granting agencies and to commodity groups. And if they're going into industry, they're talking to producers and CEOs. And I mean, they're not doing those little scientific presentations. And so we have started a program where we we do a series of seminars with people that specifically state. Here's how we communicate livestock egg in that forum. So if I'm going to communicate to a, a bunch of policymakers, what are the kinds of things that they want to know? They don't want to hear your little 15-minute spiel or what methods you used. So what do they want to know? And then in the fall, we we bring student all these students together with about a two-to-one ratio between students and, and industry and bring them in. And they get the chance to share their science, but they're sh- not sharing their science in a scientific presentation. They're sharing their science to a group of journalists. So what do those journalists want to know about your about why you have goats eating cedar trees, right? What what does a journalist care? So we've we've tried to deliberately create spaces and forums where they get a chance to fail and go, uh, no, that didn't work at all. I I didn't learn any. I mean, that's all really fine and well, but what how do I write a story on the methods that you used, right? So. And on the other side of things is, you know, that's that's where I know there's a, a number of groups that are are doing different things to try and get students into commercial spaces and understanding what that's doing. Um, and so that's another place where we've started creating, um, building off the model of undergrads. So the undergrads get to take summer off and go experience different things. But we can't do that with grad students. It doesn't work. But we can as they get towards the end of their program. So as they, as here, at least anyway we've started, as they start getting to the end of their program, we partner with somebody from industry and say, okay, we're, we're gonna pass them to you, but they're not, they're still students. So like we, cause their thesis isn't finished and those kinds of things, but they're close, but we're gonna share them and they get to spend four to six months with you As, as an employee, they go, they start at the bottom and they learn the things right in the barn. They go to the mill. They learn what goes on at the mill. And, you know, you don't get to just throw hybrid rye into your formulation because I have no bin to put it in. Or how am I supposed to grind this crazy stuff that just goes to powder when I smash it? Um, and, and then move on to something that would make sense with their skill level or their training or some of their career. So, and then they come back and they're, you know, they're done, but creating those, we're going to have to get creative and how we do that with grad students because they're not undergrads and they don't get three months off, you know, and, and there is a lot of other things that we ask them to do. and We expect them to do and they TA and, you know, they participate all, I mean, there's a lot of things that they have to do. So how do we, how do we create it meaningful enough and a long enough time that they're, they're at, you know, that they actually learn from that. And yeah. So I think those are two really important things with grad students and hopefully we're starting and
2: creating space where they can learn to do those. Great. I think that's really valuable too, to, to, be out in a business world. Not only do you, do you see how communication is different outside of academia, but you, You start to follow where the conversations go and what's driving, right? So while we understand that the dollar is always going to influence people's decisions, really being able to determine your change and the impact that your change is going to have from a business perspective is completely different than saying, well, if I add this to the feed, it's only 50 cents a tonne. Well, that's great but what does that mean when you're feeding a million pigs and what does this look like right and so being able to tie some of that to that communication too i think is really invaluable for the student now i think those are those are excellent points and i do greatly appreciate the conversation that we've had i know we jumped from from sows to students but i know those are two areas that you're very passionate about and i wanted to have a chance to to touch on both of them So as we kind of wrap up our time, could you maybe share a couple of key points that you'd like our audience to take away from our conversation today? Sure. So I guess on the, on the pig side of things, I would go back
0: to the statements that we've made before. She's that, the sow, whether we're talking about the guilt, developing guilt or the pregnant and lactating sow, she is not a finishing pig. She's not a growing pig. And the, the way that we create value on our management and our feeding in the finisher side, the model just, I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think it has worked very well for the sow. That's not what we do. Even the things, I would argue, even the things that we use to measure, is my feeding program good, right? So in a market hog, is pretty simple. Are they gaining weight? Right. Weight probably means for the most part, probably means lean tissue. Good. That's what I want. But a sow, simple weight. That that doesn't didn't tell me whether the weight that I'm growing is what I want it to be. And so, you know, even sometimes our what we're what we use is those simple metrics are. So she is not a market hog. That would, that would be my take home, for, certainly for the sow. We need to think outside the box for her to assess things. Um, uh, and while well, on, I on the graduate student side, too, I guess I would um, for graduate students, I, I would actually reiterate something that you told my students, and that is don't be afraid to take. What you know, the opportunities that come your way, they may not be the ones you thought you wanted. But what, it, what does it hurt to try right? But we willing, I, you know, be be willing to stick it out for a little while. I I tell all my students, if you're going out, you're going to take your first job. You you make a commitment to be there for two years. After that, you know, all all bets are off. If but if it's going to take you that long to really learn whether or not this is what you want to do, or if it's not what you want to do, because it's going to take you a year just to figure out what you're supposed to do. So. <laughs> you know, you know, got, you need a year to figure out what you're supposed to do. And then you get a year to say, I don't think I really like what I'm supposed to do. And so then you move on. But um, that uh, it, it's the our restaurant was the restaurant that we owned was small relative to, you know, any of the production systems that we're talking about, little mom and pop kind of a thing. But it didn't take me. I mean, we had never owned a restaurant before. We were terribly green, but it did not take me very long to figure out that when I brought a new person on, whatever I whatever I paid them in salary, I had to multiply that at least by 30%, sometimes 50% or more because somebody else had to come alongside them and train. So that person became less efficient. They were not less, they were less efficient than if they were already trained. So it just, it cost me and it, I needed them to stick around for a while before I could recover that cost. So, yes, yeah, you know, take take new opportunities, but but understand that that there's consequences and there's costs to just being flighty. And no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. I mean, that's not that's not cool. But yeah, and to the rest of us, let's let's figure out how to, on top of all the other things we expect our grad students to do, give them the chances to learn in a safe way before we got to throw them into the deep end and, you know, let's get creative in how we can do that. We've got one way, but I'm sure there's a whole lot of other creative ways to get them that experience. When it's safe, we can, you know, we can manage it. There's maybe not a lot of risk or consequence from the other side, but you know, everybody's gaining and learning from it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So the the, be, the big phrase here I heard was really think outside the box. Yeah. Whether yeah. Whether it's Dallas or grad students, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Take your pick. But the both both of them, we should be challenging ourselves and not just accepting for what it's been and and where it's at today. So I think those are great great pieces of the, pieces of advice. It is time to our famous. Three.
1: Since 1971, Zinpro has focused on improving the health and well-being of animals. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to Zinpro.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com.
2: Well as we wrap up our time together, Crystal, we like to ask our guest speakers a couple of common questions so the the first question I have is do you have a swine resource book that you would recommend to our audience yeah i've I have the same
0: two that i'm that I've heard multiple times on there and and those are the swine nutrition textbook and and the NRC and so we uh, I regardless of whether or not you agree with the NRC model, that's not important to me. I think there's just great nutrition concepts in those two books that are, they're, they're just the foundation, they're base. I think they're absolutely fabulous textbooks for those
2: purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. How about something that's not swine related? Is there anything that you would suggest to our audience?
0: Yeah. So I, I don't have a whole lot. Of, I love books, you know, and I love the smell and sound of paper but i don't have a lot of time anymore to just sit down with it so um my our daughter loaded audible on my on my phone and so i and i'm also a little cheap so the i don't want to pay for a lot of books so i actually went back and i started going back to some of the classics so i just went back through the secret garden and um it was animal farm i thought wow, these are these are great it was it was fun just to listen so those are those are the two most recent that i've listened to on my my phone but yeah some of those classics are just really good to remind refresh myself
2: oh absolutely yeah i i watched just the other night i was in the mood for a movie and i pulled out a really old old movie and sometimes it's fun just to refresh your mind oh yeah i remember this but yeah how things have changed so awesome so the last question i have is really around success and so if you think of somebody that's successful and you define success in your mind however you want to define it mm-hmm. what key characteristic or trait did they possess or do they possess that you think has allowed them to be successful
0: Yeah Well I guess I I've been I think I've been really lucky or really blessed from the people that I've had an opportunity to work with either you know either out in my personal life or otherwise in a a pretty common characteristic are some of the things that we've talked about already. And and that is a willingness, a willingness to jump in and learn. Um, You know, some, some had very clear paths and they knew what they were going to do and off they went. And so they were driven to do that. But even in that case, there, there are times when you just have to be open I'm just going to learn this new thing, and it it opens up almost always will open up something that you didn't know you could learn or you didn't know would be helpful to you. And sure enough, look at that. Now you know you you talked about doing a postdoc that who would have ever thought? But you you learn from it. So I guess that I mean, we can be really driven and you know really lucky and maybe incredibly intelligent. But if you just, if you're not willing to try and learn something, you're more likely going to get stuck.
2: So I don't that that's what it would be for me. Yeah, That's, that's a great one. I've heard that a few times now. And I think it's important you know, to always be a lifelong learner. Because um, you never know, You never know where that knowledge is going to take you or where you might need it down the road. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, perfect. Well, we do, again, want to thank you for your time today, Crystal. And for our audience, again, just a reminder, this is Dr. Crystal Levesque, who is an associate professor at South Dakota State University. So thank you, Crystal, again. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to Nutritionist.com.